0: The 2022 draft is getting closer and closer, so we are bringing you yet more prospect profiles as we try to figure out who the Blue Jackets should take in the first round with their two picks. Uh, So today we're going to talk about Rocco Magroti with Tony Ferrari on Locked On Blue Jackets. Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you, uh, well, normally the stories and trials and tribulations of your favourite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. But today we're going to work you out a potential future Blue Jacket. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day. Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also on YouTube. You are never going to have to get behind a paywall for a Locked On product. And that is, uh, that is our promise to you. So, like I mentioned at the top of the show, today uh, we're going to be doing another prospect profile. I sat down with uh, everyone's favourite ball draft analyst, Tony Ferrari, and we're talking about uh, former USHL, soon-to-be University of Michigan player, Rocco uh, Magroti. So uh, I'm just going to get right into it. So the draft lottery has happened. The draft is, uh, man, like a month away at this point, which seems way sooner than uh, than it should be. I thought let's uh, have a friend of the show, very very smart prospect man, uh, Terry Ferrari, back on the show, and we're gonna do another another couple of prospect profiles for you guys. So uh, I guess first off, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back and talking to me about uh, things I know nothing about.
1: Anytime, buddy. I'm always happy to come back on
0: so uh, i thought today we would talk uh first off with about i figured we would talk uh, first off about uh possibly the best name or mm, let's say second best name in the uh in the nhl draft this season and uh also someone who's uh, committed to the university of michigan and the blue jackets have had pretty good success with uh university of michigan prospect before so uh, i thought let's talk about uh Rutger McGrousey, which again, fantastic name, but uh, beyond that, what uh, what can people expect when McGrousey steps on the ice?
1: Well, Rutger's uh, an incredibly talented kid. There's no doubting the talent and the skill that this kid has. He can absolutely rip a puck. He gets to the soft spots in the offensive zone. Uh, he's a guy that I think can play a little bit more of a power game than he's currently doing. But at the end of the day, I think this is a really nice offensive player who I think he's maybe a winger at the next level he plays a little bit of center now like he does a little bit of everything and that's what i think the value in him is i think as you mentioned great name so any fan a fan base that gets him is going to have a ton of fun with that but at the end of the day this is just a really good offensive player there are holes in his game i think particularly in transitions that that really concerns me but over the for the most part this is a kid that's been kind of up and down draft boards i know at the start of the year he was kind of hovering around top tens kind of fell out of the first round towards the middle of the year. And then after the U18s and some more tape review towards the end of the year, he started creeping back into that first round. He's in the or or late, late or early 20s, late teens, and even creeping up to closer to the top 10 back on some boards. So the talent's there. It's just about what you kind of feel like you can fix in this game and, and whether or not you think you can actually do it.
0: Yeah, for sure. He was a guy that I'd kind of been vaguely from, like you said, he kind of was hovering around the top 10 at the, at the start. And then he captained the, under-18s, the uh, World Juniors, or the Under-18 World Juniors, I guess. Um, and, I mean, nine points in six games is is pretty good. Hilariously, eight goals, one assist, uh, which is pretty pretty hard to do, um, you know, having a, a Cy Young tournament like that. But uh, do you expect him to kind of – is this an upward trajectory he's on? Do you think he's going to – obviously, you know, he's not done developing yet, but uh, is this, you know – are you expecting him to keep climbing up the up the rankings
1: I d- I think I do and, and to be honest after talking to some people with the NTDP and other people around the league and stuff there was a wrist injury he was dealing with for a large portion of the year if I'm not mistaken he had a broken wrist don't quote me on that exactly but it was something with his wrist where he was just kind of playing through it for a big part of the year as hockey players seem to always do and he kind of struggled like I said in that middle part of the year and then as you see in the wrist kind of heal, you were like, oh, okay. Like this is, this is Rucker McGrory again. This is the guy scoring 30 goals. And at the NHL level, like there's potential for him to be a 30, 30 guy. And like I said, maybe you have flaws in transition. Maybe his defensive game isn't perfect and everything, but a 30, 30 guy is extremely valuable at the NHL level.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think last time we spoke about, um, I remember who we were talking about last time, exactly. But we talked a little bit about, you know, Players at the end, you know, first round players, I think a lot of people are like, oh, these guys have to be studs. If they are not the best player on this team, then it's a waste of a pick. And he feels very much like a player that's a legit first round guy. That's like you say, 30-30, that's a 60 point player is, I mean, there was one guy on the Blue Jackets this year that had more than 60 points. So, you know, it's, I would take a 60 point player, you know, at any any point of the of the season um but yeah just i don't know people and i think we're kind of seeing this too with the 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 Shane Wright discourse you know of is he gonna go first overall well he probably still should you know yeah. um and that's a but that's a that's a whole other thing um in terms of in terms of grossy um like I've completely forgotten what what my question was going to be. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I distracted myself thinking about uh, thinking about the the right course. Um, So I will just cut all of this out. Um, (laughs) In terms of, in terms of McGrathie, like, does he have an NHL comparable? Like I know not every prospect is going to have one, but for people like me who don't have a ton of, you know, knowledge on prospects, I find it really helpful to be like, well, he kind of plays like this guy or he could turn into this guy. And obviously it's not a, an exact one-to-one, but is there a, a guy that you think you could look at and be like, well, that's maybe what we could get from a in, you know, five years down the line.
1: Well, it's not a direct comparable, but the first guy I kind of thought of when you asked for when you brought up comparable was David Perron, a guy that just criminally underrated his entire career. Kind of always goes out there, puts up 60, 60 plus points around that, and, and does a really good job of getting to soft spots, getting to the dirty areas, doing things that most guys won't do. And I think McRory a little bit bigger than than uh, Perron, so I think McRory has a little bit more of that ability to kind of play in the dirty areas and get to the net. So he's a guy that I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what his NHL career does because, like I said. I almost went with the Patrick Lyon A comparable, like a a B a B minus Patrick Lyon a, a, guy that can score a bunch of goals. You kind of worry about him in, in transition a little bit. His defensive play is kind of up and down, but at the end of the day, he's scoring He's scoring goals, getting points, and when he gets ahead of steam, you're like, oh, why don't you do this more? Like, I would love to see you do this a lot more, but he just doesn't have that in his game consistently. So it's really interesting because McGrody has a lot of good traits, but he does cheat for offense sometimes. The one thing I was really harping on him early in the year was the fact that there were so many times in the neutral zone where he would be skating through the neutral zone, waiting for a pass up ice, a breakout pass or whatever it be. And then he just turn around and kind of slide backwards, slowly coasting backwards. And at the NHL level, as soon as he gets that pass, he he's going to get crushed. And in the, in junior hockey, he's able to kind of withstand the five foot 11 defenseman that hits him from behind and he just kind of roll off of him. at the NHL level. It's going to be a bigger guy doing that usually, or it's going to be a guy that has more skill and is going to jump that pass. So, like I said, there's areas of his game that needs to be worked out. But he's certainly one of the more interesting players in the draft. And he's a guy that I think could go anywhere from like 10 to 40. And I wouldn't question any of those picks. And kind of anything outside of that, I'd probably be like, ah, oh, maybe it's a little too high or oh, wow, someone got real value. But he's he's going to be one of the interesting ones to watch for the draft for sure. Coming up in a minute, I've got more
0: of my chat with Tony about gravity. But first, I want to tell you about a brand new built bar product that I am super excited about, and you should be too. Built granola bars have arrived. You can get three incredible flavors: they've got chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. And if you want to try all three flavors, you can get a mixed box at built.com right now. They're so different from the bars or the puffs. Uh, they are crunchy. They are loaded with granola. They are just like Bars and Puffs, super delicious, packed with protein, and covered in 100% real chocolate. They are the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or eat as a snack. I know I will be taking as many Built Bars as humanly possible with me when I do my uh, charity hike later this month. So if, like me, you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, now is your time. Head to Built.com and you can get a mix box, or you can pick your favorite, or... I don't know, get one box of each, just get a whole bunch of Built Granola bars, but here's the best bit, if you go to built.com, you can use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order, once again, there's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Yeah, I was just looking before, um, kind of before we jumped on, I was, the Elite Prospects obviously has all of the, like, the ranking, and I was like, oh, okay, so he's literally anywhere from, I think. FC Hockey has him ranked 12th, uh, and then the prospects themselves have him ranked 40. Like, that's a huge, that is a huge margin. Like, that feels, even for, you know, that weird soft spot in the draft where I feel like, you know, 20 to 40 is kind of a, you know, because guys can go, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a guy went 20th versus 40th. Is that, like, just because of the nature of the draft? Like, I feel like, and this is something I feel like we've seen a lot of, um this year and I don't know if this is confirmation bias because I've been paying attention to it or not but there has been a lot of kind of up and down very big jumps like I did a prospect profile on Carter Gauthier a couple of weeks ago and honestly like a week before i would never heard of the dude and suddenly he was <laughs> like the seventh best prospect in this in this draft you know so is that like is, is that yeah it's it's interesting because like, this draft or
1: yeah i think this draft has a lot of variance i know will scout who you've had on the show and stuff and a good friend of mine tracks the tracks rankings over year over year and everything and the, he the, this year there's a whole standard deviation more of variance on on every player in this draft it seems it, it's incredible to see how much variance there is and it, it's really interesting because you look at a guy like Gleb trickers as a russian prospect of the mhl and uh, i was doing my right starting my write up from my own personal rankings uh the other day and i noted in in the write up that there's so much variance and i used him as an example because on draft boards he's anywhere for, between 8 and 69 on a lot of boards and it's like oh okay like that's a 60 70 point drop like 60 point gap between spots and it's like that's pretty common this year you're getting guys between 12 and 40 you're getting guys between 10 and 10 and 60 it's it's really interesting to kind of see how much variance there is. And I think this year is going to be an excellent example of we're going to get to see which NHL teams value what traits, because if you go for a guy like Gleb Trukasov, you're willing to bet on that upside. You're willing to bet on that skill, that passing ability and stuff like that. Whereas you go with a guy like Cutter Goche or or even Rutger and you're like, all right, we kind of know what he's going to be at the NHL level. So let's just get the guy that we know is going to play. And it's going to be interesting to see who values upside, who values skating, who values size, who values this, that and the other thing which crazy big giant guy is the Ottawa Senators going to draft in the top 10 that should have gone (laughs) in the top 60. Like it's going to be really fun to watch because it's going to be all over the place.
0: Yeah. It's always, um, I feel like there's always one, maybe two teams that just completely go off the rails in the top 15 of the draft every year, you know? Um, And yeah, I think the the senators did that last year uh, with obviously Tyler Boucher to, you know, we're not going to comment on, the pick itself, but it was very out of the blue, and I think even to an extent uh, the Red Wings did it at 15 with yep. um, drafting Kosa over Wolstat, or Wolstat. Yep. Um, You know, and so it is just super interesting to me, a person who has functionally no horse in this race beyond the Blue Jackets take, to kind of look and see, you can tell this, this team likes this, this team likes this. Um, which I guess kind of brings me to the you know the the natural segue of that is do you think rucker mcgrotty is a fit on the blue jackets
1: i think he'd be a really interesting player on the blue jackets i look at him with a guy like kent johnson or i i, I had this weird picture you and i have talked it many a times kent johnson cole cylinder together it'd be so much fun throw rucker McGorty on that guy in, in that line and you have two high-end finishers a puck transporter a guy that can do a little bit of everything and a, a guy that has offensive prowess like I think it'd be a ton of fun to watch those three go together. But at the end of the day, like this is a guy that can probably fit on just about any, any NHL team as long as they're willing to let him be in a position to succeed. This isn't a guy that's going to play in the fourth line necessarily and do things down there, down low in the lineup. And I don't know if he's a guy that's going to be able to drive play on his line either. But I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to contribute no matter who you put him with. As long as you have a passer on that line, I think you're going to get some good production out of record.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a really intriguing choice. I don't know that he's going to fit exactly where the Blue, obviously the Blue Jackets pick sixth and twelfth. So I'm not sure unless they, you know, I mean, Yama is going to do what he wants, regardless yeah. <laughs> of what any other team thinks, you know, and I feel he might be one. I think he, I feel like I I am kind of remiss in, in talking smack about the Senators and the Red Wings when Yama clearly has a draft board that is, very very different to everyone else and he is not going to be peer pressured into picking anyone but the guys he wants um yeah. so you know we might we might see mcgrotty at, at 12th from uh from from kakalina but uh, let's i want to go back and talk a little bit about the kind of the i hate using the word the term red flags because it feels kind of know, melodramatic but you know we've talked about how He's going to, you know, he can do stuff in juniors. He's going to be able to do stuff in college that he won't get away with in the NHL. Cheating on the offense, you know, being being in positions where he's just going to get trucked by by bigger guys. Are those things that you think he can have, like, trained out of him once an NHL team gets their hands on his development? Or are they, you know, slightly bigger issues that maybe is going to be a, a lot harder to overcome than, like... Teaching a defenseman how to be a little bit more defensively responsible in his own zone, for example, which I think is a fairly easy and common thing yeah. that defensemen have to be trained out of.
1: No, I think most of the things that he has that are, like you said, red flags, as melodramatic as that sounds. Mm-hmm. I use that while I was writing today, actually. So <laughs> I use it too. Um, but no, honestly, I think it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of the things that he has that are, are red flags in his game are things that are fixable. I think the coasting backwards in the neutral zone, you can just go, hey what look at this 511 defender that hit you now imagine that's Keandre Miller coming in on you or someone like that and or imagine that's PK Subban really just getting a run on you like you're gonna get nailed dude like it's it's gonna happen and I'm sure the first or second time he does it at the NHL level he's gonna go yeah I probably shouldn't do that anymore and it's gonna be one of those things but I think the one big thing I think you may never be able to get out of his game is sometimes he'll fly the zone a little early and it's a thing that you can get out of his game but i think that's kind of what makes him the player he is at the end of the day as well i think he does a really good job of getting out ahead of the offense and doing things like that and creating that way so yeah maybe you need to pair him with a center that has a little bit more defensive responsibility or a a winger that can kind of cover up some of the speed elements of the game that he doesn't possess but at the end of the day i think it's all stuff that's fixable i don't think there's any major flaw in his game probably needs to work on skating a little bit but at the at the end of the day, we've seen so many guys come into the NHL and work on their skating with power coaching and, and skating coaches and stuff like that, and it, it's not a huge issue anymore because I don't think it's that far off. Like if we were talking about Connor Geeky right now, I'd be really concerned about his skating because he needs to come three or four steps. I think Rucker really only has to come one or two.
0: In a minute, I've got more of my conversation with Tony about Rucker McGroarty that is coming up next on the Locked On Blue Jackets. Yeah, I feel like skating is probably the easiest thing to to fix in a prospect, yeah. uh, just because it's the NHL. You work on your skating every day. Like I think I feel like with with defensive zone coverage and transitional game and stuff, it's a little bit harder to work on because you have to do like special special drills or whatever for it. Yeah. I mean, this might be me talking about at my butt, but like it, it feels like skating is a thing that's fairly easy to work on. Um, and I mean, yeah, like you say, it's. Every NHL team has like has someone that they hire to come in and teach teach the players how to yeah. how to skate. Like, does um, do the the Maple Leafs still have um?
1: God, the Maple what's Leafs have everybody. Uh, well, they had, yeah. Bar- they, yeah, had yeah. Bar- they had brought
0: Bar- Hill, well, yeah. Bar- Hill for a while, didn't they? Yeah, they had Barbara Hill for a while.
1: Yeah, and I think she still works with the team from time to time. But like, they also have Haley Wickenheiser on staff. Jason Spetz is now on staff. Like, They have all these huge names that are good skaters or have been good skaters in their career. And at the end of the day, the Maple Leafs, like many teams in the NHL, I think uh, we saw Montreal talk about investing in development. Uh, the, The Blue Jackets have done a pretty decent job over the last few years developing, I think. And you look at them and you're like, all right, even if they don't have a skating coach on staff at all times, many of these teams will go, hey, Rucker, like we drafted you this summer, work with this skating coach. We've hired her out for three weeks for you. Take some elements from that you learn from those three weeks and work through the summer, and then you boost up in, into the training camp. Once you're in training camp, you have those people like Haley Wickenheiser, Jason Spezza, uh, Marty St. Louis on with the Habs now and stuff. And I know he used to be with the Blue Jackets a little bit. Like it's those things that you can kind of bring in these guys, these former players for, from your franchise, or guys that you've hired out from other outside franchises, and go work on this one element, work on this thing before practice and and go through that. And and then in practice, you're getting guys going, Hey, make sure you're, you're actually bending your knees or something, or make sure your hips are are aligned and you're not getting outside of your body and stuff. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the record, because I think the framework is there. Like it's good. It's possible for this kid to become a, a really solid second line center or winger, I think. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, let's, Finish off. Obviously, we we talked about this a little bit off mic, actually, but Blue Jackets picking sixth overall. Who do you think they will pick, and who do you think they should pick? Because I feel like those two those are two very different questions.
1: I think it's going to be interesting because, as we talked about before, the before off mic and everything, there's a ton of guys that I think are probably solidified at least in the top four. So you have a kind of a wild card at five, but I think Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, David Juracek. And Yuroslavsky are probably going to be gone. I think Simo Nemec maybe goes in there. Frank Nazar, Carter Gochi could be a surprise one in there. Like, there's a, a bunch of guys that could go. Uh, if I'm the if I'm the Blue Jackets, though, I'm looking at a guy like Matthew Savoy. I take a chance on him. Clearly, they're not afraid of high skill guys that have some fl- some worry in their game because they took Kent Johnson last year. I think you look at other guys around the league that that they've do- they've done that with, and they, the Blue Jackets like skill. Like, it's a pretty obvious fact at this point so I think a guy like Matthew Savoy could be really interesting Frank Nazar could be really interesting and the guy I really love is is Brad Lambert I would love to see Brad Lambert on the Blue Jackets uh Kekalainen's a Finn I know that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go and draft the Finnish kid but this kid's upside is so unreal I think still he's number five on my board which is high very I think the only person that has him higher is probably Will Scouch but at the end of the day you look at the skill set of this kid and you're like he played on a really crappy team that had no one around him to help. And he was still creating plays out of nothing at times. And the scoring wasn't there necessarily, but the raw skill is there. The raw tools. If this kid gets drafted 15th, 16th in the twenties, I think we're going to be looking back and going, this is a top five player in this draft. This is a top eight player in this draft. And he just needed some time to develop in an NHL system where he has actual functional players around him. And that's nothing against the finish league. He was just on two bad teams in the finish league. So I think he'd be a fun pick, but I think for for whatever reason, like he's more of a guy that you could probably get at twelve and and then you draft a Nazar. You draft a Nemec if he falls or a check if he falls, which would be amazing, obviously. So it's gonna be interesting to see where they go at six, but I think Brad Lambert, Frank Nazar, Matthew Savoy are all options at both six and twelve.
0: Yeah, it it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier of well, it could be any one of these 18 guys could yeah. go in the in the first like four pick. Obviously you said the first four picks, but anywhere between like 5 and 12. I feel like it could be one of literally 20 guys and I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah. uh, Brad Lambert as well, like we don't uh, we don't need to necessarily get into uh, that whole thing, but he was another guy that I was thinking of when we talked about, you know, he was ranked number 2 at one point and now people are like he might even go in the first round and it's kind of the the complete inverse of uh, Joachim Kamel, who yeah. uh, has a lot of uh fans and a lot of um critics i think it's probably the <laughs> the kindest way to say it but yeah um...
1: he, he's Kamel's definitely a guy that you see what he can be and there's some flaws that are, might prevent that but if you can work through those flaws, like I say, with any player, the player that he could be is pretty special.
0: Thank you once again for uh, making this your first listen of the day. That's all I've got for you today. Tomorrow, we're going to be doing another prospect profile. Uh, we're talking about Dino Yurov with Tony Ferrari again. Uh, if you want to follow him, he's the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. Highly recommend it. If you want to learn more about any of the prospects, he's – he does super good work, super smart, that's why we continue to have him on the show. Uh, you can find me over at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. I am not nearly as uh, smart as Tony is about prospects, but uh, I do talk a lot about Star Wars, so if that's your thing, then uh, make sure you give me a follow over there. You can find the podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. And uh, if you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at bluejackets at gmail.com. Thank you once again for making this your first listen of the day. And uh, until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.